Hello. Hello. Hello, and welcome to Grace Online. We're really excited for you to be able to receive an encouraging word from Scripture today. Because we know that God is already here, and He is ready to be with you. And let's get ready to hear today's message. What is the fastest growing religious affiliation in the United States? Oh, some of you read Grace Weekly, you cheaters. It is the unaffiliated, the non-affiliated. The fastest growing religious affiliation in the United States is the non-affiliated. That's right, one in six Christians, a number that's doubled, by the way, in the past 15 years, is not affiliated at all with a local church. Sadly, increasing numbers of self-professed followers of Jesus are having nothing to do with the church. But... As we've begun to learn with the start of our new sermon series, which began last week, centered around the 12th chapter of the Apostle Paul's first letter to a community of Christians in Corinth, the church is not an optional extra that we choose to take or leave. No, the existence and endurance of the church is a creation of God's design, a gift of the Holy Spirit, and it is part and parcel of what it means to belong to and follow Jesus. Now, in this sermon series, just so you don't think I'm, I've lost it, we're going to be keep reading this scripture for the next couple of weeks leading up to the start of Lent. It's always going to be the same scripture because what we're doing each week is we're letting it sink in, but we're also looking at it from a different angle. And so today, we're going to reread that passage that we started with last week from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we're going to dive deeper into Paul's proclamation of this surprising, mysterious, and yet crucial reality of who we are and what it means to be the church. Focusing specifically on verses 14 to 20 today, we're going to come to a better understanding of why there can be no such thing as a Lone Ranger Christian, that we can't truly follow, we can't grow and mature in Christ apart from his body, the church. Let us then listen carefully as Paul is about to unpack how the church isn't a mere organization. It is an organism created and assembled by, assembled by God with incredible design and purpose. So if you have those Bibles open, let's hear from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. At verse 12, it begins, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, well, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, well, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say I don't, to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, 
but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now, you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, we typically use the word corporate to describe large activities or events where a group of people are assembled. For example, we might refer to our coming together like this on Sunday mornings as our corporate gatherings for worship. The root of the word corporate is corpus, which is Latin for body. However, when Paul, in this passage and others, other letters he writes, uses the phrase body of Christ to describe the church, he is not simply referring to a large gathering of Christians at a particular time and in a specific place. No, our takeaway from last week as we began to study these verses more closely is that Paul here offers us more than a word picture, more than an insightful metaphor. Paul is asserting the church is the body of Christ, the reincarnation of both the presence and work of Jesus in the world, here and now, until Christ comes again. The gospel The good news we celebrate and share begins with our creator becoming a human being through the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ embodied, if you will, through our humanity, the character and truth of God in the flesh. In both his life and ultimately his death on a Roman cross, Jesus, through his physical body, made tangible in both word and deed, divine, unconditional love that forgives, that heals, that sacrifices, an amazing grace that encourages, lifts up, and in the end, saves. And after Jesus conquered death by bodily rising from the grave, Jesus ascended to heaven, and through the giving of the gift of the Holy Spirit, his spirit, Jesus formed a new manifestation of his body on this earth, the church. Everyone who follows Jesus is called, formed, and held together by the Holy Spirit as the body of Christ, the physical, tangible, visual continuation, the ongoing embodiment of Jesus' character, of Christ's presence and power in the world. As we build upon this foundational understanding and focus more closely on verses 14 through 20, Paul underscores for us that just as a body is the sum of its parts, but a part of the body does not constitute the whole body, So it is with the body of Christ. In other words, following Jesus, living for Jesus, cannot be divorced from being a part of the church. Being in relationship, community, regularly gathering together with other Christians in worship, study, care, and service. To put this another way, to make it even more simple than that, biblically, There is no such thing as a churchless Christian. Being a part of the church is not optional because being to be united to Jesus is synonymous with being united to his body, which is the church. In the same way, we can only come to Jesus and embrace Christ as our Lord and Savior through the gracious gracious initiative of the Holy Spirit In the same way, this same spirit leads us forward in following Jesus by forging us together as many members of the one body of Christ, the church. Therefore, when a person becomes a Christian, joining a local church isn't some optional extra that we decide to partake in because we choose to do so. 
if we follow, if we follow Jesus, we join a local church because doing so is the expression of what the Holy Spirit has made us. What the Holy Spirit makes all who follow Jesus, a member of his body, the church. Being a member of the church, the body of Christ, is really a continuation of our calling and response to God's grace, rather than it is a decision of whether or not we choose to join and be a part of it. I mentioned this last week, but it bears repeating elsewhere in Scripture, not here, but elsewhere, when Paul builds upon this teaching and declares Christ is the head of the church, his body, Paul is doubling down on the assertion of this union, this one flesh connectedness we share in Jesus. A head is necessarily connected to a body. The head directs the body and has authority over the body, but also needs a fully functioning body for effective movement in life. So it is how Jesus so it is how Jesus chooses to be present and operate in this world on the other side of the cross and the resurrection. If we are in union with Christ, the head, then we necessarily are also connected to his body, the church. It is not again possible to follow and belong to Jesus apart from his body because if we belong to Christ then we are a part of his body. And it's just a matter of whether we recognize it or not. Whether we recognize that in the kingdom of God, being in Christ, reflecting Jesus, is never about I alone, but it is always I in the context of we. Hence the title of this sermon, I Ain't Got No Body. Come on, I thought that was great. I took a lot of time coming up with that. <laughs> no, no, no applause, no applause. <laughs> The body of Christ is always a we, of which I is but a part, and not the whole of what it means to follow Jesus. Honestly, I think this might be one of the hardest teachings and truths in all of the Bible for people, for us, to accept. It's not easy to accept let alone abide in this truth, this teaching, because ours is a highly individualistic society, at least in the, modern, in the Western world, the modern Western world. I mean, there was a time, and some of you remember it, when we were a society that centered around family and a shared sense of community. Multiple generations often lived together under one roof, and when families did live separately, they never moved very far away from each other, and they gathered together regularly. But with changing realities due to economics primarily, we now tend to live where the jobs are, where we can support ourselves, where we can gain the lifestyle we desire. These days, we are more motivated by the cost of living than the need to create and find community in Christ. So we live far away from where we were once raised. And we move, once we do move, we move more frequently following where the job is so that the connections we do establish with other people tend to be more shallow, fickle, and short-lived. And with the advent and demand and flexibility of working from home, we're even losing now the chance to know and establish ties with those with whom we labor all day, all week long. Living like this has become so normative for us that we don't even think about it. 
It's become so normative that generations have and continue to be raised not questioning or challenging this loss of community, but instead are being spurred on to work hard, strive to achieve independence, personal freedom and autonomy, to become self-made individuals who are reliant on no one other than whom they choose to be. And this mindset of individualism, this posture of disconnectedness, is increasingly informing how we view being a part of the church, if at all. I mean, many have convinced themselves they can belong to and follow Jesus on their own, on their own time, in their own way, at their own convenience. It never occurs to them that to try to embrace Jesus without being a part of his body amounts to nothing more than creepingly, creepingly trying to take hold of a decapitated head. There are others who serially date the church, serial daters, never staying in one place very long, acting like spectators and particip rather than participants, attending only when something better isn't going on. Some profess to be in a committed relationship with Jesus and thus part of his body, and yet they are never truly all in. Even though they may be present, they keep their distance, never fully knowing or being fully known by the community. While they insist they are a part of the body, they don't rely on the body in confessing their weaknesses, in expressing when and where they are hurting, struggling, or in need. Externally, they may be visible in the pew, in a small group or some other social gathering in the name of the church, but internally they are going it alone, all the while wearing masks, covering their lives' pain, and pretending that everything's okay when it's not. And I want to be clear, full confession, I have occupied all of these realities. I have occupied all of these realities. I have tried to just worship the decapitated head of Jesus apart from his body. I have tried to serially date the church, hopping around to, to when I feel comfortable and when I don't, I'm out of there. I have been present in the body, said I'm committed, and basically you don't know a thing about me and that's just the way I like it. And you want to know what the solution was for me? It's real easy. Become a pastor. <laughs> because when you become a pastor, you're expected to be here every Sunday. You're expected to be a part of the body. I'm not kidding. I often wonder about Chris before he was Pastor Chris. If he wasn't a pastor, how would he be engaging the church today? I want you to hear this. This is not, I'm with you, I get it. And, and again, this may shock some of you, but there are certain times, not just on Sundays, when I go, you know, I'd prefer not to be here. I'd prefer not to be with you. I'm just being honest. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes, and I hope I'm not alone in this, I think I'd do better on my own. <laughs> Beloved, individualism, doing life on our own, is not part of God's design for anyone. But it's especially not God's design for those who know and follow Jesus. The human body, while composed of many parts, is identified and functions as a singular unit created by God to do certain things. The individual parts of the human body on their own cannot fulfill all the purposes for which the body was created. It's only 
as the members of the human body work together as a collective whole, that the body can do all it was created to do. And God's design of the body of Christ, like the human body, is a large-scale interdependency of diverse members specifically placed and coming together to accomplish the work, the mission God has given to us. To share the gospel, to make disciples, to give witness to the reality of the kingdom of God through our collective work of lovingly and generously fostering grace, compassion, reconciliation, hope, and peace, all in the name of Jesus. Now, this is what I just outlined, to say the least, an ambitious global work order, the essence and scope of which, the reconciliation between tribes and nations, everyone working together in love and peace, the very essence and scope of which many well-intentioned movements of people have tried again and again to bring to fruition, but have always fallen short. And this is because apart from divine intervention, divine empowerment, divine guidance, we cannot save ourselves. And as Christians, we profess to to know this. We profess to believe this, that it's only God and Christ alone who can save us, who enables us to become the best version of ourselves, who rescues, reconciles, and restores this beautiful yet broken world. But as Christians, we also need to understand and abide in the truth that we cannot experience and participate in that divine trajectory, let alone grow, mature, and reflect the fullness of the salvation Jesus offers us if we are disconnected from his his body, the church. My brothers and sisters, becoming holy as God is holy is impossible without being a part of the whole body of Christ. When Jesus calls us to himself, he doesn't redeem us so that we remain a big bunch of individual private free agents. No. Jesus saves us not only from being alienated from God, but from being alienated from each other. Living the gospel is not every person for themselves as we seek to follow Jesus. No, through the gift, the bond of the Holy Spirit, the Christian faith is a community project, not a solo enterprise. Ours is a shared journey in following Jesus. And Paul, in verse 18, reinforces this is not a random accident. The body of Christ does not work its way together by chance, by some strange evolutionary process. Rather, as Paul states, but in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. We, as the church, are specifically joined together into the singular body of Christ, by our Creator's explicit choice, where each unique, fearfully and wonderfully made and redeemed individual member contributes to the blessedness of others and the growth of the whole body. Again, if you missed it, this is the the Lord's design, not ours. Our place in in the body as followers of Jesus, our place in the body as followers of Jesus is not to question God's design or to try to improve upon it. And yet, over the history of the church, this is exactly what many have tried to do. They've looked at the church and finding it lacking, not as efficient, not as flexible, not as strong as it can be, have presumed to redesign God's own work, if you will, to build a better body for Christ. 
it has never turned out well. It has never turned out well because what we always end up doing when we attempt to redesign what God seeks to build through the church is replacing what intended to be an organism with an organization. And there's a big difference between an organism and an organization. An organization is what people, what we design and create, whereas an organism is what God alone can design and create. An organization is a collection of independent parts that stick together, that are held together based on a shared vision or goal. But an organism lives and breathes by a single dynamic source that runs through all life as we know it, the animating spirit, the animating breath of God. An organization is something we can choose to join, to stay, or leave. We can change, and we do. We change the organizations we are a part of. And related to this, an organization is made up of distinct units that can be removed and replaced with new parts without necessarily destroying the integrity of the organization. In contrast, an organism as a creation of God is not something we join. An organism is something into which we've been supernaturally added and therefore cannot leave. And we cannot be replaced. A member, an eye, an ear, an arm, a foot, an internal organ cannot be removed without altering, mutilating, or possibly even destroying the integrity of the organism. An organism is position, an organization, excuse me, is positionally based, and therefore it tends to be more inherently competitive as we have to work our way up in the hierarchy. Whereas an organism is based, created out of love, and therefore, all parts of that organism are designed to be collaborative, working together in order to survive and thrive. Now, some would say, well, isn't there supposed to be organization in the church? Organization and an organ organize, organization is different than being an organization. Like the human body, while the body of Christ is organized by God, organized to function in a certain way, that's not the same thing as saying the church is the body of Christ is an organization. It's an organism. Now, the other way that we try to redesign what God has done, as I alluded to earlier that I'm going to come back to, is other people, and this is becoming, as I said, more commonplace, attempt to redesign what God seeks to build through the body of Christ by attempting to go it alone. Arguing their faith, their devotion, their service to Jesus are more pure more effective, more fruitful, as they presume to try and operate to be a witness for the kingdom to reflect the character of Jesus on their own. But as Paul, with I think a hint of sarcastic humor, parts, points out in verse 17, trying to fly solo as an organ, rather than being a part of the organism, just doesn't work. And so Paul writes, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Paul presents how silly it would be if our whole body was an eye. An eye by itself does not constitute a body. If the whole body were simply an eye, would that be functional? It would actually be kind of weird. An eye can't see apart from the rest of what constitutes the human body. And the same thing is true for every other single part of the human body, whether we're talking about a foot, an ear, a nose, a finger. Now I know, 
Sure, the upside of being a severed finger is you don't have to bother with cooperating with the other fingers, annoying as they are. But the downside of being a severed finger is you can't really do anything because you have no biological connection to the neuron signals coming from the head. And eventually, you as that severed finger, if not reattached to the body, become something no longer living, but something that is dead, because once again, this is now how God has designed our bodies, including the body of Christ the church. Just as there is no sustainable life apart from being connected to the diversity of, mem- of the members of our biological body, body, there is no sustainable life for a follower of Jesus apart from being connected to the diversity of the members of his body, the church. Now, perhaps we're thinking, and I guarantee you, life before Pastor Chris, and even still Pastor Chris, if I put aside the title, perhaps we're thinking, but I don't want to get tied up with the church. And yet, how can we ignore the undeniable fact that this is what Jesus chooses to do? Still, we might argue, well, what are you saying, Pastor Chris? Are you saying Jesus can't act apart from the church? No. Certainly, while Jesus can and sometimes does act in this way, it's not the norm. And Jesus aside, nowhere in all of our scriptures does Jesus call us or give us license to act in this way, on our own, apart from his body. Tell me where you find that scripture. I'd love to talk with you about it. Jesus says, if you are a part of me, you are a part of my body. And again, this, to try to, to do this on our own makes no sense because we can't do anything apart from the body being connected to Christ. Well, we may persist. Well, you know, Pastor Chris, that just sounds so limiting. I'd just rather do my own thing for Christ. I've been there. I go there. Maybe we would rather do our own thing for Christ. But that's not really the issue. The issue is, is that what Jesus wants us to do? If Jesus chooses to make us into his body, if Jesus chooses to be reincarnated, to manifest his presence and power through the church, then how can we deny, let alone ignore, that being a part of his body, the church, is how Jesus intended and designed for us to follow him? You're getting inside my own journey right now. Because, beloved, while it runs completely contrary to what we hear, what we champion, what we celebrate out in the world, in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ, independence reflects the lack of life. Independence reflects the absence of freedom. Because what the Bible teaches over and over and over and over again is life and freedom in the kingdom of God is operating in worshipful, humble, and loving dependency upon Christ and being in loving, humble interdependency with others who follow Jesus. I've been sharing a lot about myself today. And I'll go further in saying that if you're like me, Most of the time, you simply live each day going from task to task without really ever giving much thought about how amazing our bodies as designed by God truly are. How everything is right where it needs to be in order to do everything our body needs to function. I mean, I I rarely stop. 
I rarely stop and reflect upon all the diverse parts of my God-given body, those parts that I'm aware of and, frankly, those parts that I'm not aware of, and how they all work together to make it possible for me to move across a room, to preach a sermon, to eat a meal, to dance to a piece of music. No, if you're like me, you tend to focus and be more familiar with what's wrong with your body rather than all that's right. If you've got time, I can tell you about all my body's defects, all my body's disproportions, all my body's disorders, and all the diseases I think I have. It tends to be the same way with the body of Christ, the church. And I'll admit it. I'll be the first to say it. I don't take the time to appreciate I often struggle to perceive the incredible design, the wonderful diversity, the miraculous organism that is the body of Christ. Instead, I get more fixated. I get me more preoccupied with all the defects and disorder, disorders of the church, all the disproportions and weaknesses within the body of Christ. You got time? I got a list. I grow tired of what seems like the extended adolescence of the body of Christ. And like a teenager with their body, I tend to be embarrassed of the body of which I am a part. With all its growth pains and awkwardness, smells and sounds, as it tries to overcompensate and act more grown up than it really is, only proving itself to be more childish, more immature than mature. And I can remain fixated on what appears to be a train wreck. And I can even at times foolishly act that I'm somehow divorced from the body. Or I can trust that God knows what God is doing better than I do. Instead of trying to resist or run away, which gets me nowhere, because one more time, I ain't got no body. <laughs> Instead of trying to resist or run away, I can yield before the more profound mystery of how God in Christ not only emptied himself to become one of us, but went even further than that by through his spirit willingly and humbly attaching and entrusting himself to a yet imperfect expression of his body and continues to love, love and nurture that body until its eventual maturity when it will glorify God without spot or wrinkle. And I can give thanks to God that I'm a part of that work in progress, that yet unfinished divine masterpiece that is the body of Christ. And instead of grumbling and attempting to divorce myself from the church to which I belong, not by choice, but in answer to the Lord's call, I can seek to discover and engage exactly where Jesus has placed me in his body and how the Spirit is equipping me to play my part. And that's when I'm your pastor rather than the non-pastor Chris. I can choose to abide in the truth that there is no enduring love and grace. There is no full, abundant, and eternal life apart from the body, apart from what God has done for us and what God continues to do in and through us, not apart, 
but together. Because, beloved, the body of Christ is not a building. It's not an establishment or an organization. It is an organism. The body of Christ is alive. The body of Christ, the church, is the visible part of the invisible Jesus, the living, breathing display of his redemptive power and love for all creation, of which we are each a part. And thanks be to God for that. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit us online at gracehb.org.